Welcome back to this special edition of Mishnah Yomi, and today we're going to explore the concept of Kli Shemalachto Le'iser, a concept that's come up over the last week and a half or so, which literally means a vessel, a utensil, whose malacha, whose function is one of Iser. And as we've seen over the last week and a half, that there are some utensils that when it comes to Hilcha Shabbos, where we say they are muksa, there's no purpose for them, and therefore, since there's no permitted Shabbos purpose for them, we say they're muksa, one's not allowed to move them on Shabbos. And it's not just utensils, we'd say a rock as well, or a beam, or a stick, because there's no Shabbos purpose to them, there's no Shabbos function to them, there's no utility for them on Shabbos, we classify them as muksa. However, there are other areas, there are other utensils, where we have a mixed feelings toward them, because there's mixed usage toward them. And we're going to use the hammer as our go-to analogy. Take a hammer, for instance. A hammer may sit in your tool chest, and the primary function for a hammer is to knock a nail into a wall, which, for argument's sake, we're going to assume is the malacha of bone of building, which is a malacha de oraisa. However, what if you sit down at your Shabbos meal, and you come time for, for dessert, and you're, uh, you put out a nice platter full of nuts, and the nuts are very hard, so you need to open those nuts. What do you do? Go down to your tool chest, pull out your hammer, and you use the hammer to crack open the hard nut shell in order to access the nuts. Well, our Mishnah told us that's permitted. Why is that permitted? So the Mishnah informs us that a klish malachto leiser, a utensil whose primary use is for things that are not permitted on Shabbos, However, if you can find a permitted use for them on Shabbos, then we allow you to utilize that utensil. And that's what we've been discussing over the last week in Mishnah Yomi, when you have a utensil that can be used or that can be used for usur purposes or mutter purposes, we allow you to use it for mutter purposes, or we perhaps give you a dispensation to use it for mutter purposes. Comes along the Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch is in Shin Ches, and says that there are two there are two qualifications, or there are two times when one's allowed to use this kli, and that's as follows: you can use it for the kli in and of itself, for its own, for its purpose, for its utility. That is to say, you have a hammer. The hammer is meant for banging. Let's say you need to bang something that's permitted to bang, as in our case of a nut. So you can go and remove the hammer from its uh, its place, from its tool chest, and bang open the nut. You're also allowed to move the hammer. It's not muksa. You're allowed to move the hammer in order to utilize the space that it occupies. Let's say you go to sit down on your couch on Shabbos afternoon after your long meal, and you're going to take your Shabbos nap, and you look and say, oh, wait, why is there a hammer on this couch? Well, the hammer is technically muksa. However, since the hammer is only a klish malachtul iser, part of the heter, the dispensation that we have when it comes to a klish malachtul iser, is not only are you allowed to utilize it for a Shabbos permitted activity, but you're also allowed to utilize it, in, or you're also allowed to move it that, that more accurately in order to utilize the space that it occupies. Thus, if your hammer is in a place like your couch or on your table and you need the space, you are allowed to move it. You're allowed to move it. However, says the Shulchan Aruch, one is not allowed to move the, ha- the hammer, let's sail. What does that mean? Literally, it means the, to the shade. But what it means is, let's say you notice your hammer sitting out in the sun, and you're concerned, wait, if the sun's beating down on the hammer, so perhaps the, uh, the, the hammer is going to warp, or it's sitting out in the rain, and you're afraid the uh, rain's going to rot the handle, or it's sitting out in the open, and you're afraid someone's going to come, come along and grab it and, and steal it. Then, then, then you're not allowed to move the hammer because you're not allowed to move the hammer for itself, for its own purposes. You're only allowed to move it, again, because you need it in order to 
you, you need the space that it occupies, or you need it for it in order to for you to use it for some permitted Shabbos use. But you're not allowed to move it for its own sake. Why? By the way, why may that be true? So we'll come back to that in a few moments. Why? Why? Why we have that distinction? Okay. So this is what the Shulchan Aruch says, and that's the beginning of Klish Malach Dol Now, number two is as follows: What when we say that a kli, a kli is any, is it any kli? Any kli? Because if you think about it for a moment, what we're saying is a kli that has a permitted use and a prohibited use, well, that it's classified now as a kli, shemalachtal iser, and you're allowed to use it for its permitted use on Shabbos. Says Rav Asher Weiss, one minute. Theoretically, if you're a creative person, there is almost any, any kli in the world, any vessel or utensil in the world, you can find some sort of use for it on Shabbos in a permitted way. If you're really, really creative and you think long and hard, you can probably find a creative use for anything. If that's true, so then really every kli, every utensil can become a kli shemalach iser. At which point Rosh says, what we say, what we must be is we go, we don't go after the individual, but rather we go after rov b'nei adam. How do most people use this item? And it's common for people to use a hammer to crack open nuts. And therefore a hammer can therefore be classified as a kli shemalach iser. But if you, if you find some other crazy example where you're extremely creative because you go on, I don't know, YouTube and find some random hack that no one in the world but two people are doing, and it's out of your ingenuity and creativity, you decide that some item, such as your iPhone, suddenly now becomes a nutcracker, that's crazy. And therefore, you're not going to say your iPhone is a cliche malachto leiser. Okay, number two then, number three now is, how exactly do we define a cliche malachto leiser in terms of Let's say you have a person, and they have two hammers. And the two, the two hammers look exactly identical because they are exactly identical. The guy goes to the Home Depot and buys and purchases two hammers, and one he places in his tool chest, one he places in his kitchen. Well, they look exactly the same. One is for banging in nails. One is for cracking open nuts. The point on driving it is, how exactly are we going to define a cliche malachto is, sir? Because really, really... At what point do we say this is primary? Prim- this is a a for for our permitted uses, for, it's for, for, for permitted usage, or it's for prohibited usage. So Rashi Ray tells us that you look at a kli, and if it's ikoro shel kli, its primary use is for uh, for isser for prohibited Shabbos activity. So then we're going to say it's a kli shemalachtal isser, and we're only going to allow you to use it for permitted use when you're uh, using it for permitted use or because you need tzarech gufo, or uh, excuse me, or tzarech makoma, or you need sp- space. Meaning to say, Rashi is telling us that we look at its primary function. We don't look, and that's how we're going to classify it as a kli shemalachtal isser. So yes, sometimes you can have two identical looking kalim, and one could be a kli shemalachtal isser, and one could be a kli shemalachtal but the way in which we're covey the way in which we decide is again looking at what is it the primary usage the ikoro shell kli and this leads the bir halacha to point something out he says take a pot for instance a typical cooking pot in the kitchen what's its primary function its primary function is to cook cooking is Mooks, uh, cooking is Isser on Shabbos. It's Bishop of Shabbos. Not allowed to do that on Shabbos. Therefore, he says a cooking a, a cook a, a cooking pot a, a cooking pot is going to be a klish malach to Isser because it's there serving to help cook cook on Shabbos. It's serving the malach of cooking. Yes, sometimes people may be lazy or in a rush, and they may take the food, uh, instead of taking the food out of the pot they just cooked in, they may just use the pot itself as a storage container. However, 
primarily people don't do that. Primarily people will transfer from the pot that they cook things in into some other container or uh, into some other container before they go and store it. So yes, although there are times where people do store things in their cooking pots because primarily people don't do that, the primary function of a pot is to cook. Therefore, says the Bir Halacha, a pot is considered muksa, albeit a iser, and therefore, yes, if in the event that you do need a pot, perhaps to store things, or it's in your it's in your way, and you need it's, it's sitting on the table, you need to move it, or you need a whatever you know some other some other tzorich, so then it, you would be allowed to move it. Again, what we see what we see highlighted here from this bir halacha is we go after the primary function, and by a cooking pot, its primary function is to cook, not to store, and therefore we classify it as a kli shemalach delu iser. I think what we see from this, really, though, is that on the one hand, a klish malachdal iser, there's a real leniency here because there are so many more potential opportunities for usage on Shabbos. Like in contrast, I'll say to other areas of muksa, where, such as a rock, there's no usage of a rock on Shabbos, and therefore it's totally also you can't use it. So on the one hand, there's the potential opportunity for a klish malachdal iser on Shabbos is much broader. A hammer. Yes, it might be sitting there in your tool chest, but there's a, pot, there's a potential that you may take it out of your tool chest at some point to crack open a nut. Yet, on the other hand, its scope in terms of what we're going to quali- uh, quali- going to qualify as a klishmalach del iser is going to be much broader and wider because, in a way, it encompasses so much more. Meaning, anything that can technically be utilized for a malacha is now going to be qualified and going to be subsumed as a klisha malachto l'iser. And I'll give you, I'll, 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 I'll illustrate what I mean. Take an unlit candle. An unlit candle, there's no malacha being performed with an unlit candle. The, the, the malacha is havaris, to, to ignite, is to kindle. An unlit candle, there's no malacha being performed, but at the end of the day, you have no use for an unlit candle on Shabbos. There's no use for it. The only purpose of an unlit candle is for there to be a candle there, and therefore its its purpose is for lighting, so it's classified as a Kli Shemalachtal Iser, according to the Ramah. I'll give you another example, a more contemporary one, although it's not very contemporary, as you'll see. The Shmir Shabbos Kehilchasa tells us, Shmir Shabbos written by um, of, of Newarth, uh, Talmud of, of, of Shlomo Zalman Orbach says, a phone book, whatever that is. Okay, so it's not so contemporary. You take a phone book, so a phone book, there's no malach with a phone book, it's just a book. However, the primary function of a phone book is there to help for the uh, for the phone, and therefore he says it's considered a klisha malach to iser because its only its primary function is for a phone for making phone calls to help you make phone calls, and therefore it's going to be subsumed as a klisha malach iser. So therefore, you can only use it, however, for if you if you need it. What would be a need for a, for a phone book on Shabbos? In my opinion, the only need for a phone book, and that is to use it as a booster seat um, for uh, you know for a child. Again, then then you're actually using it for its True intended purpose, uh, but um, but the, the point I'm trying to make is that the cliche malach we the the it it's it's it encompasses so much more because we start encompassing areas where there's no actual malacha being performed, or there's not even a but it's come it's an item that could come to serve a malacha like the phone book, like an unlit candle, and therefore it's considered a cliche malach Although then we also introduce to heterim the potential leniencies that if you need the item for let's let's like the boost as a booster seat or the hammer because you want to crack open a nut or because you need its, its space the makomo because you want to uh, sit down on the couch and the hammer sitting there so then we allow you to in fact move it okay that's all part one of the shear part two of the shear which i i think i already mentioned multiple times not just in the last week but also when mooks has come up multiple times 
in Mesech L'Shamas, and I may have even mentioned this when it came up at some point during Seder Zroyim, and that is an awesome Chakira, and this and the rest of this year really comes from Rev. Uh, Rav Zechariah Tubi Sefer. Rav Zechariah Tubi is the Rosh Kol in Karen Begavna. He wrote a Sefer called Tal Imrasi. It's a wonderful Sefer where he really structures Hilcha Shabbos in a very clear and exciting way. So I'm really borrowing a lot of what he said for the rest of this. He asked the following question. This that we are talking about, Klish Malach Iser, is it really Muksa? Meaning to say, perhaps... We, one can make the following argument. It's not that a klisha malachdol iser. Again, this item that could be used for Shabbos purposes, but generally is used for non-Shabbos purposes or for, uh, for purposes that are prohibited on Shabbos. It's not that it's muksa. Rather, we're superimposing the category of muksa on an item because we want to, you to refrain from carrying it around. Meaning to say, Imagine if you walked around your house with a hammer in your hand, right? Walked around the hammer in your hand. What would happen? Anytime you saw a nail sticking out of the floor, you'd probably want to bang it in. You see a nail sticking out of the wall, you'd want to bang it in. If you carry around an item that you can easily do a malacha with, and it's, it makes a lot of sense, you might forget it's Shabbos for a second and do a malacha. Therefore, therefore, Especially an item where rov tashmisho, ikar tashmisho, is to do a malacha, is to knock the hammer in the wall. Therefore, because the chazal didn't want us walking around holding a hammer, they said treat it like muksa. Now, why is it not actual muksa? Because at the end of the day, there is a legitimate non-muksa function to the hammer, i.e. you can go and crack open a nut. To all these areas of, of Kalish Malachdal Isser, there are legitimate non-muksa functions and, and utilities that one can do with these items. So they couldn't actually make a muksa. However, in order to prevent Chilul Shabbos from taking place, imagine people walking around with a hammer or a screwdriver or a pen in order to prevent the Chilul Shabbos from happening when someone inadvertently will go and start writing or, or banging nails into a wall, Chazal borrowed the rules of Muksa and said this is like Muksa. It's a cliche Malachal Isser, it's like Muksa, it's going to have similar rules to Muksa, but ultimately it's not going to be Muksa, which is going to allow for certain leniencies. So that's one way of looking at it. It's not actually muksa, but we're take we're, we're borrowing the rules of muk of some of the rules of muksa, and we're applying it to the kli shemalachto leiser. Alternatively, alternatively, one can say no. This is muksa. Kli shemalachto leiser is muksa. It's another category of muksa. The same way there's muksa machmas mias and there's muksa machmas gufo, and this just has its own rules and mechanisms and heterim and chumras and how it operates the same way that, that Muqsa Machas Mias has its own rules and Muqsa Machas Guf has its own rules. All areas of Muqsa are slightly different, have different variations and different halachos. So too this has its own rules, regulations. It's Muqsa just like every other area of halacha. So again, one could say this is Muqsa, like every other area. It just has its own unique rules. Or one can say no. It's not really muksa. It's not muksa. In fact, why is not, how can, why is not muksa? Because at the end of the day, there's a heter. There's a heter you can do with this. You can you can you can use a hammer. You can use a hammer to break open a nut. It's not muksa. But that, but we don't want you walking around holding a hammer because who knows what's going to happen. You might quickly you might forget and bang in a nail. So in order to limit 
one from walking around holding a hammer or holding a pen or holding what any other Kalisha Malachal is there, we say don't carry it around unless you have a need. Unless you have a need like a Letzarach Gufo, like to op- to actually do a permitted Shabbos activity, or you need the space that it's occupying. We're not going to say don't sit down because there's a non-Muksa item sitting there. So we gave you that dispensation. Thus, the two ways of looking at this. It's not muksa, but we apply the laws of muksa to it, or it really is muksa. And now I want to look at a few nafgaminas, and through those nafgaminas, we're also going to learn a few other interesting dinam in Hilchas muksa. But before we do that, I just want to, I want to point out, there's actually two of the great achronim who got involved in this debate. The Grah and the Chaya Adam. The Grah is found in Yardea, Simen, Reish, Samach, Vav, Gimel. What's the Grah doing in Yardea? This, this, Hilchah Shabbos is in Orachayim. So this is actually in Hilchah's Milah. The context is, if there's a Milah on Shabbos, as we know, Ubi Yom HaShmini Yimol, the Torah tells us on the eighth day you do the Milah, even if it's Shabbos, Milah is one of the three that are Dolche Shabbos, that pushes away Shabbos. However, what is the status of the knife after you finish the Milah? So the Ramad tells us that after, certainly before the Milah, you can carry the knife, right? That's how you do the Milah. However, after the meal, the Ramad tells us you can go and put the knife away. You can put the knife on the side. And says the, says the Gra, within the context of that, it's a longer conversation we're not going to get into, he states that he, he states that the knife, and for that matter, any Klishal Iser, is not really Muksa. It's just that we impose restrictions of Heter Mlekomo, Letzarech, and not Letzel on these items. Meaning, we give it the heter, that you can, you can, if you need to muck them, you can move it, and let's sarich, you're allowed to use it, and you're not allowed to move it, let's sell, on these items. However, however, it's not really muksa. So the gross says it pretty much black on white, that a klisha malachtal iser is not really muksa. It's just, it's just that we impose certain muksa laws and restrictions on to the klishmalachtul iser. And I thought perhaps, again, this is my, my own thought, that the difference between moving the klishmalachtul iser for its own purpose, let's sell, because you want to save it, versus moving it for, uh, you could, because you have a usage for it, or because you want to sit down somewhere, is that when you move it for its own purpose, you might come to forget. You just you want to move it because you want to you want to save it. So you're picking it up, and you might come to forget why. You, know, you might forget that it's Shabbos, or and you might come to bang a nail on the wall. Versus if the reason why you're moving it is almost incidental because you actually have a different goal in mind. Your goal is because you want to crack open a nut. You, you have a different goal in mind. You want to you want to sit down somewhere, and the fact of the move is almost incidental to the fact that you have a goal in mind of where you're trying to get to. So it's more likely that you're not going to get sidetracked and bang a nail into the wall because again you're focused on cracking open the nut. You're focused on sitting down versus if you're moving it just to save it from the sun. So the second you pick it up, okay, it's saved now. So now you don't no longer have a goal in mind. You're still holding the, you're still holding the hammer in your hand. And therefore, perhaps, perhaps you, uh, you want, you might, uh, come to bang a nail on the wall. Again, that's just my own thought, perhaps why we differentiate between the three. I probably should have put that above, but okay, keep that here. So that's the Grah. The Grah takes the first side in our Hakira, the first side, and that is Klish Malach Iser is not actually Muksa. Comes along the Chai Adam found in, in Klal Samach Zayin, and he writes, Kli Shemalach Iser is Muksa. And the way he phrases it, it's a little bit, um, a, a little bit, uh, he phrases it like this. He says as follows, For anything that is, was Heter on Shabbos, we assume a person had in mind before Shabbos that he may want to use the Kli Shemalach Iser for. 
What does he mean by that? So if you recall, I, I believe in the opening Mishnah to the uh, to to the to Muksa, we stated that the way in which Muksa works is things that are set aside for Shabbos. Things that are set aside for Shabbos, one's allowed to use on Shabbos. Things that were not set aside for Shabbos, one is not allowed to use on Shabbos. But we have an umdano, we assume that anything that's permitted to be used on Shabbos was set aside for Shabbos. Okay, that what the Chai Adam is telling us is therefore, is that when it comes to things like cracking open a nut, we assume that when that it's almost like it was assumed that a person quote-unquote had in mind that in the event he needed to open this nut, he would use the hammer. But otherwise, he would never use his hammer for anything else, i.e. that it's muksa. So that's what the Chayadim seem to say. Meaning to say the Chayadim thinks it's muksa, although a Chayadim thinks it's muksa, and the only way it's not muksa is because the person almost makes a tenai in their head, a condition in their head that, barring a permitted use, I'm treating this as muksa. So again, we have the Gra says not Muksa, the Chayadim says it is Muksa. This is our Chakira, and the reason we gave for it not being Muksa, for it being Muksa, was because it's, it's the reason why it would be Muksa is because it's, it's categorized with all the other areas of Muksa. And it looks like Muksa, it smells like Muksa, it's, it sounds like Muksa, it just has some other dinim, which we said, okay, fine, all areas of Muksa have slightly different variances. Oh, this is a little bit wider and more. Whereas the reason why it's not Muksa is because the, the, perhaps there's, there's, are permitted uses for this. You can use the hammer. You can use the the, the, the pen. And the grand fact says it's not muksa. What are some nafkaminas? So let's go through a few of them. Nafkamina number one, this came up as well in Mission Yom recently, that's going to be the buses. The halacha is that not only is an item that's muksa not allowed to be moved, but if it's resting on something, it is not allowed to be moved as well. Although there are certain conditions, I'll list a few of them, that it has to be intentionally left there, and in, in according to the way that we paskin in, in the Ashkenazi paskin, I shouldn't say we, but Ashkenazi paskin has to be left there with the intention to be, for the, to be left there for the duration of Shabbos. So if you take, I don't know, your phone, and you put it down on, on, uh, on top of your, your, your table, and you're intending it, if this is where it's going to be, it's going to be here for the duration of Shabbos, now your table is considered buses, and it's muksa just like your phone is muksa. Therefore, if it's unintentional, or it wasn't, you didn't intend to leave it there for all Shabbos, or perhaps if it came there halfway through Shabbos, so then there's a little bit of discussion, but then it's not going to be a buses. Number two is you need to have permission to leave it there. If you don't have permission to leave it there, so then it's not going to make it a buses. Or what if it's not your item? Let's say you borrow an item and you put it there. So there as well, it won't make it a buses. I'll tell you a story. I uh, I borrowed um, I borrowed a um, a table from my father, and I also borrowed a drill from my father. And I left the drill on the table, and my father said, "Wait, on Shabbos, where's the table? We're having guests." And I said, "Wait, I put the drill on the table." And he's, I said, I think it's a buses. And he says, not your drill, not your table, not a buses. Okay. And number three is that it, if there's the bus, if it's a buses, if it's a table, let's well, again, we'll use our analogy of a table for a muksa item, but also a permitted item, as in a, a buses, the dover mutter and dover hetter, so that's not a buses as well. So if you have a, a, a mutter item and a, an usr an item, and I get the case where this comes up as people use this, as you have your chalad on your your challah on the tray holding your candles. So now it's a buses, so dover mutter and dover hetter, so then it's not either a buses. So those are the laws of buses. Says the um, says Rav Tubi. Well, what happens if you have a klisha malach to leiser? on a buses, on a table. If you assume a klisha malachtal iser is bona fide muksa, 
So then you're going to have to assume that it creates a buses, and the table is going to be a buses. Whereas if you say, no, it's not really muksa, we just borrow some of the terminology and some of the laws of muksa and impose it on it, so it's not going to create a buses. In fact, the gra says, a klish malachal iser does not create a buses. And that's the gra l'shitaso, because the gra does not think a klish malachal iser is, in fact, muksa. Whereas the primagadim is mesupik. And why is the primagadim mesupik, says Rav Tobi? Because perhaps the primagadim is mesupik. He's, un- he's unclear, he's unsure, because he's going to say, maybe the chayadim is correct. Maybe the chayadim is right, that a klish malachal iser really is muksa. And if it really, if it really is muksa, so then why would it not make a buses the same way any other area of muksa creates a buses? Nafgamina uh, number two. What happens if a kli breaks on Shabbos and it can only be used for a heter purpose? So there's another concept when it comes to muksa and really Shabbos in general, and I, I don't want to get involved in this now, but it's called migudis gatsoi ben it's gatsoi kulo Shabbos. And that is that if you have that the Shabbos, the onset of Shabbos, is what's koveya, is what determines what is muksa and what is not not muksa for the duration of Shabbos. Yes, perhaps something can become muksa on Shabbos itself, but nothing becomes heter once it be- once it's Shabbos begins and it's already usher. Once Shabbos, if, if Shabbos begins and something's muksa, it's not going to become non muksa once Shabbos commences. So now here's an item, and it's. Here's an item. We have an item here, and it breaks. And it, on Shabbos, suddenly, it can only be used for heter purpose. And you can let, I'll leave it to you to think of a good uh, uh, what that may be. So, do we apply migu diskatsoi ben hashmashos that to, to this or not? I don't know. I'll give, try to give an analogy. Let's say you have a, a hammer, and the hammer, the handle of the hammer breaks in a way that it's much shorter, and you just can't use it for, for break for cut for uh, knocking the nails. It can only be used for cut for 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 not cracking at this point. So, now. It's only effectively now. It's only a nutcracker. However, the concept of migu Soya essentially says that we almost we freeze everything in time to the moment of candlelighting and the way things were classified at the moment of candlelighting. That's the way we are going to look at these items for the duration of Shabbos. So if you tell me that eklishemalachtel iser is muksa, so I don't care how how this item has been redefined over Shabbos and how we are looking at over Shabbos and what it looks like at 12.30 p.m. on Shabbos afternoon and if it can only be used for Heter at this point, it can only be used for Mutter purposes in Shabbos afternoon from now and forevermore at the end of the day, its definition for this Shabbos is going to be from what it was when we lit candles in Erev Shabbos, Migudis Gatsoi, and therefore it's still going to be considered Muksa, albeit Klish Malach Tal for the entire duration of this Shabbos until we make Havdalah. Whereas if you tell me, no, as the Grud tells us, this was never really muksa. So we don't apply the laws of Migu Disgatsai. And we don't say that when one Shabbos began, that's how we're Kovea this, that's how we determine the status of this. It's, it's not relevant to the concept of Migu. It's not relevant. We're not saying that when Shabbos begins, that's how we de- that's when we decided what's muksa and what's not muksa. Because it's not relevant. This is not muksa. And therefore, if this item becomes totally mutter, it can only excuse me, can only be used for mutter purposes, for permitted purposes on Shabbos. So then, it's, we look at it as a totally permitted item. It's no longer considered a. It's no longer to be considered a klishmalach delizer. Now it's a klishmalach delizer, and lechor you can even move it. Let's sell for its own usage. So if it's out in the sun, you say, wait, I want to move it inside. I don't want it to get destroyed. I don't want it to get warped. It's out in the rain. I don't want it to get wet, to get soggy. I don't want it to get stolen. Whatever it may be.
So this is a machlokus. The uh, Eli Rabbah says it's Osir, as in the Eli Rabbah says, we say Migudis Gatsai, even on a Klishim Lacht Lisser, seemingly like the Chaya Adam, seemingly like he's saying it's considered Muksa, it's considered real bona fide Muksa, and therefore we would apply the case of Migudis Gatsai, and we would say that we, we look at the moment when Shabbos begins as how we're Koveya, a Klishim Lacht Lisser for, for that Shabbos, and the Primigodim said it's Mutter. The Primagodim says, no, it's mutter, as in that if the item breaks and it's only for heter use, now we look at it as totally heter, and we don't apply the laws of Migdus Gatsai to Ecclesi Shemalach Iser, seemingly like the Gra, that it's never really actually muksa. Okay, number three. Nafkami number three. So, we, right, uh, just a quick Chazar. Number one, number Chazar number one, Nafkami number one was. Buses doesn't make a buses or not. Nafkamina number two was do we apply Migu Disgatsayu or not? Nafkamina number three is what happens if you have a choice between a Klishmalachtal Isser and a Klishmalachtal Hetter? Meaning, what if you have you have a choice between using your hammer in your tool chest or your nutcracker in your kitchen drawer? So, what do you do? Meaning to say, you could probably think of it, for, if you think about the uh, the question here. If you assume the hammer is actually muksa, so l'chor you should go for the non-muksa item, i.e. the nutcracker. Whereas if you tell me, no, klish malach lizer, it's not actually muksa, as the Grud told us. It's just, we say, better not to use it because of other concerns. Well, if it's not really muksa, then who cares? My high, if it's a nutcracker or a hammer, well, who cares? I can use the hammer. I don't have to use the nutcracker. So what do we say? The Mishnah Brewer tells us in Yud Bays, it's better. Odif, he says, to use the Klihater. He thinks it's better to use the Klihater. And the Shartzi on there, he brings a, cr- a proof from the Gemara. The, uh, the Dirshu quotes the Revisant Corrales. It wasn't so clear on the proof. Uh, There's what to quibble with that proof as well. But the, for that, let's just be it as it may. The Mishnah says, better to use the Klihater. The Shmir Shabbos in, in Perak Chof agrees. Although there's a bit of a discussion as to what extent you need to go to get the Hater Kli. Meaning... Is it mean it's mamish in your kitchen drawer? Do you have to go far to get it? Do you have to, uh, is it, R- Igris Moshe says, only if it's kal, if it's easy to get it, but if it's a uh, real tircha, that you don't have to get it. So there's a bit of discussion with that, about that, but the Mishra Brewer is, does tell us that it's better to use the klihet there. And the Shmir Shabbos agrees, seemingly trying, what they're saying is that, look, at the end of the day, the hammer is muksa. It's muksa. We just gave you a dispensation to use it. But if you can avoid that, you can avoid this whole discussion, better to avoid it. However, the, the Tosefish Shabbos, a major work in the 16th century, writes, eh, big deal, use either. You don't have to use the hammer. You don't have to use the nutcracker. Use the hammer. Big deal. What's going on here? Again, L'chor is the same thing. Tosefish Shabbos is like, I'm, I like the grah. I'm like the grah. It's not muksa. So who cares what you use? Who cares what you use? And the last nafkamina is going to be the actual case of the gra. What's the actual case of the gra? So the case really, what it revolves around, and Rav Asher Weiss has a long essay on this in Lama Tess and Minchas Shabbos, Minchas Asher on Shabbos, and that is there's a discussion about muksa. Yes, you're not allowed to pick up muksa. But what happens once it's in your hand? Do you have to drop it? Or once it's in your hand, are you allowed to continue carrying it until you put it down? Right, we're assuming there's an error of it all. So there's a bit of a discussion on that matter. The gra tells us that the only muksa item, or the only item that's seemingly muksa, that you can continue carrying and you, you, you do not have to put down, is a klish malachdal iser, because it's not actually usser. And that's his ex- explanation 
It's not actually muksa, excuse me. And that's his explanation for the Ramah, who says you're allowed to take this knife and go hide it. And this is precisely the, the Grah. I mean, this is the Grah. It's not actually Usr. Whereas, seemingly, what he's saying to everyone else is, but everything else is muksa, and therefore you'd have to drop it right away. So, in summation, what did we see today? We, 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 we did a quick uh, it's a quick uh, overview of the concept of Klish Malachtal Isser. We saw that a Klish Malachtal Isser is an item that has util- uh, function and utility both for permitted use and for prohibited use, which we said, as Rashi said, we go after the Ikoro Shell Kli. What's its primary function? If its primary function is for non Shabbos use, usage, and it's considered a Klish Malachtal Isser, and therefore, although we're allowed to use, move it for a Tzorich, as in a nut, to open a nut, for a permitted Shabbos use, or because we needed space that it occupies, we're not allowed to move it for its own use, let's sell, because we want to save it from getting stolen or from the rain or whatnot. We also mentioned, Rosh Wise said that there's only there's an extent until how far we're willing to push uh, an item to say that it has Shabbos usage. We go after Robin Adam. We don't say you can use your wild imagination and say any item can really be used. And then we asked our Chakira, which we were excited to get to because we've been mentioning it so many times, and that was Eklish Malach Lisser. Is it really Muksa? Or is it we just take, we superimpose the category Muksa on top of it because we don't want you walking around with an item that can one can easily forget and lead to Chil Shabbos. We saw that was Machlokus the Gra in Yaradea in the context of Hilchas Mila. In the Chaye Adam, the Gra said it's not Muksa. The Chaye Adam said it is Muksa. And we saw four Nafkaminas. Nafkamina number one was Bosses, doesn't make a Bosses or not. If it's muksa, it does make a bosses. If it's not not muksa, which the gra says, it doesn't make a bosses. The gra says lishitas, it does not make a bosses. Number two was migu diskatsai. Do we apply the concept migu diskatsai or not? Um, the Eli Rabbah says we do. The Premium says we don't. Number three was um, if you have a choice between a nutcracker or a hammer, for that matter, any klish malachtel is and a klish malachtel heter. Do you have to go after the klish malachtel heter? The Mishnah and the Shmir Shabbos said yes. The Tosefah Shabbos said no. And number four was if you're carrying an item, and do you have to put it down? So again, we, there is much more discussion that's much broader than than here. Most people may say no for other reasons, but the Grah himself will say you don't have to for a klish malachtel iser because it's not actually a muksa, but every other muksa you do have to. I wish you all a wonderful day.